Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 11 to 13 and 7 through 4. Pray with me as we drink deep of the Word of God. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Thank you for your book. Thank you for your precious bride. And Father, may each of us take seriously presenting her holy and unblemished before King of kings and Lord of lords. We love you, Father. Teach us to your glory and praise. Amen. Verse 11. Our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in like exchange, I speak as to children. Open wide to us also. 7.2. Make room for us in your hearts. We've wronged no one. We've corrupted no one. We've took advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts to die together, to live together. Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am overflowing with joy in all of our afflictions. The Apostle Paul is defending his integrity but he is also trying to express to the Corinthians what I call love's ten points. Um, love is a verb. It shows an action. And the Apostle Paul is saying that if you're in the ministry, then part of being in the ministry is the evidence of this love. Some had come into the church in Corinth behind the Apostle Paul trying to tell the Corinthians that the Apostle Paul didn't really love them. He only manipulated them to use them for his financial gain and to his benefit. And the Apostle Paul deals with this straight up and straight on and says, do you not remember? And he uses this phrase commonly through these two texts that I've read to you. Our heart is open wide. And what he's saying is, listen, I have all kinds of room for you people. And and at this time, this is a goofy church. I mean, our normal thinking processes in this situation is dust off my feet and go on. And the Apostle Paul isn't. The Apostle Paul is fighting for these people. This is basically their fourth letter. And he's trying to explain to them, I love you. And here's how he is showing it. He did it in verse 11. He says, I brought you truth. Why? Out of the mouth speaks the heart. And he says there in verse 11, our mouth has spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. I gave you truth. I didn't hold anything back. I just roll it out there. There it is right now. And it wasn't only in the words of the Apostle Paul, but he was with them for 18 months, day and night, house to house. So they saw it in his life and they heard it from his mouth. What he was professing with his tongue was witnessed by his life. And he's trying to bring that back to him. But he says, also, there is the affection here. He says, you are restraining us. We're not restrained. Our hearts are open. And it literally means to confine or to squeeze. And he says, you're squeezing us out of your heart. We are open wide. You are withholding your affections. Because, see, one of the things about love is it pours out, but it wants reciprocation. Okay? It doesn't base its pouring out on getting it back, but it does look to get it back. 
Look at a parent's love for their children. We give and we give and we give and we give and we give to our children. Why? Because we expect to see it come back. If I pour my love into a person, I expect that person to do what? Pour their love back. Okay, now, I'm talking about spiritual love. I'm talking about the love of God has been poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit, right? So you now have supernatural ability to love. And that's what the Apostle Paul says, is that my heart is wide open to you, and yet the restraining of your affection says that your heart's not wide open to me. All right, because true love, true love that God pours into your heart has no boundaries. It, no greater love is this than a man lie his life down for another. All right. So if you're saved, that's no problem, right? Because when you get into ministry, you're going to run into some stuff that you're like, I don't really want nothing to do with this. And God says, doesn't matter. I remember uh, early in my ministry, it seemed like everybody in jail had my number. And most of you know, uh, I have a jail phobia. I can break out into a sweat just pulling into the parking lot. And yet I had to keep going up and talking to these young men and young women in jail. And, you know, the you know, sheriff came up to me one time here in Douglas County. He says, you know, you have professional privileges and I say, what's that <laughs> he says you don't have to be here for the visiting hours you can come anytime well gee whiz <laughs> no kidding anytime i want what are you nuts <laughs> These are the kinds of things that I try to get people to understand. Why? But God says, here, go. Uh, really? So you go. You know, people ask me, say, well, why do you go to Russia? Are you Slavic? Well, actually, I'm Blackfoot Indian and Scottish. I don't know what that means. Um, well, have you ever heard of Hatfield and McCoys? I'm a Hatfield. Okay, so <laughs> do I... Do I need to say more? Okay. Um, and, and yet I, I deal with these kind of things. And they say, well, why are you doing the Slavics? They want the Bible. I'll go anywhere they want the Bible. And then when I, those words fall out of my mouth, I think, oh, Lordy. <laughs> what if they want it in Antarctica? <laughs> I'll get a volunteer. Uh, <laughs> all right. But the affection is you pour it out. And you expect something in return. You expect to invest in a soul so the soul will invest. I have a spiritual gift, supernaturally enabling from God to strengthen you to exercise your gifts. It's kind of cool. Which brings me to oneness. Verse 13. Amazing phrasing here. Now in like exchange, I speak to you Children, open wide to us. See what he just did. Our hearts is open wide. The restraint that you are having of your affection is your fault. So open wide to us. This word here, um, 
Remembering that love has a longing for response. All right. Um, and, 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 and when I, when I think about this, nothing in life, okay, on the human plane, all right, is more painful than unreturned love. Okay, I guarantee you, everyone in this room has experienced it. Guaranteed. Well, except maybe the twins. But other than that, everybody else has had it. There has been a time when you have had a love that was not returned. Okay? So you know that feeling of giving love and getting absolutely nothing back in return. Okay? It may have been that first love as, as, as a young man or a young woman. It may be as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ where you poured yourself into a person only to have them walk away. Okay, I've done that and had them not only walk away, but stick a knife in my back on the way out. And that just makes you all fuzzy and warm all over. Okay, it makes you want to go down and exercise the jail ministry. Spurned love, heartbreak, a love not given back. How must the heartbreak of Jesus been when Peter denied him three times? But you know what is a greater heartbreak? If you look in the Gospel of Luke, it says that Peter denied him the third time and he's looking across the courtyard and Jesus walked by and made eye contact with him. How would that have felt? Every one of us in here has denied Christ's love, but we've never looked him in the eye and done it. And yet Peter, when he saw him after the resurrection, Peter, do you love me? Okay, and Peter knew, yeah, dude, this is, <laughs> this is a cooked trial here, <laughs> you know. Spurned love, know that pain. How about raising children and getting hatred back? I've seen that. I have seen that so many times, I don't even know how many times I could count it for you. Where you watch a mother or a father or both pour themselves out for their kids, sacrifice for their kids, only to be spurned by their children. And you keep thinking, how is that possible? Well, if there's not supernatural intervention there, then then it's very possible. Because see... True love, the true love, I'm not talking icky sentimentalism. I'm talking that deep to your soul love. Can't be shattered, can't be moved, can't be swayed, can't be stopped. You know, now I want to take it out of a level a little bigger of this oneness. Because... You can give that love in friendships and not get anything back. And there's serious pain there. I've seen children turn against their parents. I've seen co-workers turn against one another. And yet I, I don't know of a harder human um, hurt than love that's not responded to. That's what the Apostle Paul is looking at. He wants them to return to him what he has given to him. 
He laid his life on the line for the Corinthians. When you see that phrase right there in verse 13, in like exchange, it literally means open to us. I'm speaking as a father to children. Like exchange is just what it means. To the degree that I have given unto you, give back. To the degree that I have loved you, do you love me? He says, you have restrained your affections. It's not us. We didn't do anything. See, and then he uses this phrase. I speak as to children. It's kind of funny, kind of a funny phrase that he throws out here. Because we always talk about spiritual brothers and spiritual sisters. And... um, This is kind of spooky now that I thought about it. Uh, everyone that I have been their spiritual father is in glory. What's up with that? <laughs> Wait a minute. I may want to rethink this. Um, there are many in this congregation that have helped strengthen me. Okay? You've challenged me morally. You've challenged me doctrinally, okay? But you're not my spiritual father. Spiritual father is the one God uses to bring you into the kingdom. The apostle Paul is telling the Corinthians, I am your spiritual father. These people making accusations about me and my ministry are not your spiritual father. I am your spiritual father. So when he says, in like exchange, I speak to you as children. He says, do you understand? He uses a picture here that's really tough. Because I'm going to say, the father's love to the child. But the child ain't giving the love back to the father. Paul could say, I, you know, I'm going to walk away and forget you. But that's not the love of Christ poured into the heart's Of his ministers. Love doesn't do that. Love doesn't walk away. True love. Doesn't walk away. Why? Because true love. There is a oneness. As a father to a child. Doesn't act that way. In like exchange. In exact exchange. The amount of love the Apostle Paul had poured out onto the Corinthians should have been coming back from the Corinthians to the Apostle Paul. He says, you are my children. You should love as the way I have loved. Love me exactly the way that I have loved you. It was sacrificial. It was constantly. It was unbreakable. You can't move it. Listen, love... The opening of your heart wide so there's room for all is not a one-way street. The people who come into your life and love you with an open heart, without question, without hesitation, they're there constantly, are expecting you to love them the same way. Well, that sounds... No, no. If the Holy Spirit indwells you, guess what? The love of God dwells you. If the love of God dwells you, then guess what? You have supernatural ability to love. You can only love the way Christ loved. And he died for you, even though you were yet a sinner. Heard a guy call up the other day. 
I was reading, I think it was Linsky. He called it a heart partnership. That's that oneness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. For if you have countless tutors in Christ, yet you know that you would not have many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I became your father through the gospel. He already explained it to him. That was in 1 Corinthians. Listen, what he's saying in that verse is, you know what? You can have moral guardians. You can have a whole bunch of moral guardians. You can have a whole bunch of moral instructors. You can have a whole bunch of people who walk side by side for you. But you only got one father and you are my children. And you should love your spiritual father as much as your spiritual father loves you in exact kind. You know, I keep thinking that uh, it's a family bond. Okay, but here in this generation, that's not really that good an illustration. And there's some weird stuff going on in families right now. But I do understand that. It's like I look at when I watch football and you see these great big bruising defensive tackles and they pick up a fumble and they run it into the end zone and they turn around and the camera shines on them. Who do they say hi to? There's a big, nothing but muscle. Okay? Hi, Mom. You're like, what was that? Why don't they say hi, Dad? I'm going to file a complaint. Paul wants that love in return. The love given, return the love that is given. Same degree. Paul says, I, as I have loved you. And, and what is amazing about this verse right here is there's such a tenderness in it. I remember reading Thessalonians where he says, we were as gentle to you as a mother nursing their own child. And I thought, that's got a serious picture of tender there. The apostle, you know, I guess the thing that is amazing about this letter is here's the apostle Paul needing the love of this troubled church. And you wouldn't think that, would you? You'd think, boy, these people are a bunch of knuckleheads. I hope God just judges them. And yet he's reaching out to them saying, I need your love. And I look at this church and say, man, these guys are knuckleheads. But it's obvious that the, he had a passion for these people. He wrote four letters to them. You don't have any sign that he wrote that many letters to any other church. I would have been writing to Thessalonians daily. Them guys had it figured out. I mean, you, you go read, you want church growth, first four chapters. That's church growth. Look at that. And now here's these Corinthians. He's pleading, he's begging that they open their hearts to him as his heart was opened to them. And, you know, at the same time I'm looking at this, I see the hurt in this man's heart because they have it. You have restrained your affections. I didn't do it. There's a desire that the love of the people and you can't shake that need for the love that you've poured out. You don't pour that love out, not expect anything in back. You want to see a response to it. If you remember, I shared with this a couple of weeks ago. We'll get into it in depth in weeks to come. In chapter 6, 14 through 7, 1. 
He says, I don't want you to be bound together with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness or the fellowship of light with darkness. Okay, basically what he's saying is, is that the people who are making these false accusations, you need to get away from them. Why? Because they're hindering you. Why? He has a desire for the love of the people and he can't shake that need. And he needs their love and response. And when he deals with this separation, cut yourself off from those false. Break off those non-partners. They're not heart partners with you. Get away from them. If you do that, then you will come back to true fellowship. 614 through 71. He says, you need to come back to the oneness. Because he makes a statement right there in the beginning of it. Don't be bound together with unbelievers. How much love are you going to get from an unbeliever? How much love are you going to get from somebody who's in darkness if you're light? I mean, that's what he's saying. You know, I watch people take this. Well, I ain't going to go over to my Uncle Bob's because he drinks beer. Give me a break. That ain't what this text is saying. This text is saying, if you're in the body of Christ and there's unbelievers bringing false accusation and dissension around everywhere and teaching false doctrine, how are you going to get love from them who don't know Christ? He goes right back to the same phrase here. Make room for us in your hearts. Because what happens is we can hang around certain people and we make room for them in our hearts. And you're always going to have it in your head that they're going to give back to you. Okay. Make wide to us. How many people have you ever really run into who you can say have opened wide their hearts to you? Make room for us. Verse 11, he says it. Make room for us. Verse 3, he says it. Open your heart for uh, to us. Verse 13, make room. Chapter 7, verse 2. I'm seeing a theme. Do what I have done. Verb of love. It's an action. What? Provide a place in your heart for us. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you're saved, you're a minister. If you're a minister, you better have an open heart or you have absolutely no effect because you look just like lost people. Because lost people have no room in their heart for others. They have only room for themselves. And it's so normal. It's just everywhere. I don't have to go look for it. That's one of those that, oh, huh. I need to find an illustration. Where would you stop? Paul is a man in a fellowship with friends. And when you have that fellowship with friends, you have the oneness of that love. Do you understand that you can endure any suffering? I don't care what it is. Bring it on. If you've got people around you whose heart is as wide open as yours is, as the Apostle Paul's is, I don't care what it is. Because you understand that you're not alone. 
Why? I am one with the brothers and sisters in Christ. See, if they understood the instruction of 614-271, then they can break contact with the false. They will back to Paul. And you know what just happened? They'll be rid of the sin. Love someone and they fall into sin. Do you understand that they cannot return that love until the sin is dealt with? They can't do it. It's impossible. The sin is in the way. When you look at sin, what's in the middle of it? I. And how, if you are self-centered, do you love anybody? And it's so simple. That's why you have that separate. Separate from the deceivers. Separate from the false brethren. Separate from the false accusers. Separate from those who would cause division in the body of Christ. Verse 1, he says, They have these promises, beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of the flesh, of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Why? You do that, there's no problem restoring the love. There's no problem restoring the wide open heart. I don't have trouble with it anymore. Listen. That is what breaks love relationships. I don't care if it's in a marriage. I don't care if it's in a family. I don't care if it's in a friendship. It's always going to be the same thing. It's sin on one person's side. Because when you put, allow sin to rule you, then I is in control. And if I is in control, how do you open your heart wide to another? Can't do it. Can't do it. Association with sinful people is evidence of Paul's love. And true affection is evidence of true love. He's willing to confront it. Okay, we don't tolerate sin. If you have someone in sin, you need to say, oh, you know, I'm nothing theologian here, but it looks like sin to me. And it's not hard to spot. It's just self-centeredness. And it's so easy. Why? Because everybody does it. <laughs> I don't have to go look for it. That's why a, a literal translation of a Christian is a peculiar person. They're not self-centered. I remember a guy coming up to me one time. It's See, you think about humility, it has to be a lack of self. Remember, I shared with you last week, 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not seek its own. That's an action. Right? And we have to be aware of that. Because if you're going to be in humility, you will not be seeking your own. And, you know, I had a guy come up to me one time. He says, you know what? I'm proud of my humility. And you just sit there and you think, you know, at first I thought, well, that's a cool joke. And then it dawned on me. He wasn't joking. And I was like, well, that's spooky. But if you'd have seen his life, you could tell his heart was not open to nothing. Unless it was about him. Which tells me you have no capability of opening your heart. And that restriction is all on you, bud. 
You've been around them. Self-centered people, aren't they a blast? You just want to spend more time with them so they can boast. They can tell you how great they are and how they are experts at everything. And you just sit there and go, boy, this is just joyful. And yet you can see the same thing happens in the church. That's what the Apostle Paul is dealing with. Remember 1 Corinthians, the letter of rebuke? Hey, first six chapter, he just blasts them out of the water. Then in chapter 7, he says, oh, yeah, concerning the things you wrote me about. <laughs> You're like, jeez, <laughs> don't send him another letter. He'll write back. But he just, and you know what their issue was? Pride. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Dude, I'm so spiritual. I'm of Christ. I see that today. People want to tell, when people find out that I'm a pastor, they all want to shift to spiritual and tell me something. It's amazing. And you say, oh, that's great. Okay. But that's what we do. Why? Well, you know, I've read the Bible. Hallelujah. You didn't remember any of it, but you read it. But, but I, I don't understand some of this. See, love demands a reciprocation of being poured out. Okay? It, you're going to see it. Why? If you're pouring yourself into a person, you're opening wide your heart so you can embrace them completely. Why do you do that? Why do you do that? Because that's exactly what Christ did for you. All right. And you are ambassadors of Christ. You are spokesmen for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Therefore, you should look like your emperor. Remember reading Gandhi. And the reason he started his own little thing is that he was looking for spiritual truth. And he went and lived as a servant in North Africa with a Christian family. And when he walked away from him, he said, there's nothing different about them and the rest of the world. And he, Gandhi started his whatever he did. Gandhiism. Okay? And you know what the truth of the matter is? He's right. I know a lot of Christians right now that just are spooky. They're very self-centered. It's about them. And you can tell it that that is so common that you can tell it. See, Paul's trying to say, you can't question my love. Why? Because my heart's open wide. The restraint and affection is from you. See, that's the cry of his heart. The cry of his heart is in like exchange, children. The way I open my heart to you as your spiritual father should be the way you open your heart to me. And it should be like exchange, equivalent. So when you think about love's ten points, you have to understand it's got to be based in truth. You also have to understand the affection that is desired. You also have to understand that there's a supernatural oneness. Okay? Pick it up next week with our favorite topic, purity. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you so much. And Lord, I, I would ask that even now, as your spirit moves in our hearts, that we understand love a little bit more. And Father, we'd be overwhelmed by it. We'd be overwhelmed, Lord, each of us, 
by those people who you stuck in our lives to open their hearts to love us as Christ loves. Thank you for those people, Lord. And may each of us who are called by your name in like exchange, Father, give that forth. Thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. We praise you. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.